Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Christy Johnson. All right, we're going to get into this. And um, I want to talk about a story that's in Genesis 30. And um, it's kind of a story that maybe we've all heard, but I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory and then hopefully we can get into this and you can learn a lot through that. Are y'all ready? Um, Jacob was uh, a man whose name was uh, actually meant liar. Uh, now, if you're Jacob in this room, I had to say this to everyone. We don't think you're a liar, but if you're in the Old Testament, this is kind of what it meant in the Hebrew is liar. He end, actually ended up, this is a long story because I can't explain it, but he ended up doing a lot of things in his life that deceived and he was lying. Well, he ended up growing up and he, he ended up going to this well and he met this beautiful girl named Rachel. And he met her, and then right after he met her, he wanted to marry her. I don't suggest you guys do that, men. You should definitely date. Um, but but he did, they don't believe in dating, obviously, in this book. So they're like, I'm just going gonna to get right with it. And so Jacob didn't mess around. He, he was real quick. And he, he said, I want to marry. So I, he went to his dad and said, Laban, I want to marry Rachel. He goes, okay, if you work for me for seven years, I'll give you um, Rachel. So... He works for seven years. I know it. All guys need to say wow in unison. Wow. wow. She is worth the wait, guys. She is worth the wait, whoever it is, seven years. So he worked for seven years for this woman. So then he, he gets to get married um, to her. In the morning, he looks over after their honeymoon night and sees that it is not Rachel. Everyone say, uh-oh. Oh. It was a different girl. It took him all night to find out that it wasn't Rachel, but it was Leah. Why that was, that is the weirdest thing. I don't know. We won't get into it because it might get a little weird. So he didn't know. So then he goes to Laban. He goes, hey, you, this looks like Leah to me. It doesn't look like Rachel to me. So what's the problem? And then Laban, you know, he, he's kind of deceptive and he, he lies a lot. And he, he said, oh, oh. The firstborn, he didn't tell him the truth the first time. He should have just given him the, the uh, Rachel, but he gave him, he deceived him. He said, uh, um, I just always marry off the firstborn. I forgot to tell you that. I forgot for seven years. Come on, he needs to like uh, punch the lights out, but he didn't do that. And, and he said, okay, well, if I'll give Rachel to you on credit and you can work for me for seven more years. Come on, guys. This is like, and he actually did this 14 years he, he, she's worth it. Come on. She is worth it. Girls, come on. Say, I'm worth it. And, and, and then 14 years. So he gets to this 14 years and he, he's like, I'm, I'm probably can get out of jail now. I'm, I've worked for her. I, I've, I, we have kids, we have a family. I'm going to ask him if we can go. And, uh, he asks him and he goes, uh, no, no, no. I, I don't want you to leave. I, name your price. I want you to stay. Jacob's made him a lot of money. And so he just kind of doesn't want him to leave. So he goes, Damien Price. He goes, no, you've changed my wages 10 times. This guy, I don't want to stay here. He goes, no, no, no. I, I, whatever you want, I just need you here. I want you to stay, Jacob. So Jacob says, okay, well, I'll take all the speckled and spotted sheep and goats. And Laban, you can have all the strong 
solid sheep and goats. So I'll take the weaker ones. Well, Laban was like, this is not a no brainer. Like, why are you taking the weaker ones? He didn't say anything. He just left it. Let him take the weaker ones. And so, so he thought, man, I'm going to make, Laban's like, I'm going to make a lot of money. He's going to be poor. There's not many of them. They're weaker, the spotted ones. And so all of a sudden he had this clever idea. There was something called a watering hole. And this is where the strong sheep and goats would come and mate. And, and they would come to this place called the watering hole. And I'll just put some good old water in this. Yes. And, and this is where they would come and mate. So he had this idea and he took a stick and he carved spots and specks and stripes in the stick and he set it at the top of the watering hole. And what he found happened, this is in Genesis chapter 30, even verse 27, it says that whatever they saw in the reflection of the watering hole, they actually reproduced. So what happened was whatever they, the, the, the solid sheep and goats that were mating, even though they were solid in color, because of what was reflected in the watering hole, in the well, that was what was reproduced. So their offspring was not solid. The offspring was a reflection of the spots and the speckles of the stick. They were spotted and speckled sheep and goats because of simply the reflection of this stick that they would see while they were mating from this spot. Isn't that wild? The Bible is wild. Come on, somebody tell your neighbor, this is wild. And I found that this is, this is a lot, not just about agriculture. This is, just, you know that he doesn't just put this stories in, in the, this book just to put random stories. This is a story about identity. This is a story about identity and who we are. Because, because as you can see, uh, you don't become really what you want to be. You become what you see at the watering hole of your imagination because Proverbs says whatsoever a man thinks in his heart so he is so so I don't become what I just simply I want to be this I become what I see in the well of my mind and the well of my imagination that's why it's so important so listen we can live our lives reacting to who we don't want to be or respond and live our life to the calling that God has over our life. We can react to who I don't want to be, but the problem is when I react to who I don't want to be and think about who I don't want to be, I have to have at the epicenter of my mind and my thoughts who I don't want to be. And that's a problem because if I become what I think about so much that I become the things that I hate. And I'm mad that I'm becoming what I hate. And I understand it because, listen, it has to start here. Everyone say it starts here. It starts at my imagination. This is what happens. These sticks and the enemy has laid sticks. This is our imagination. This is, this is the watering hole in the well of our mind. And he carves divots. And he carves things into sticks. And he says, this is what you're going to be. You're not wanted. You're not loved. You, you're you're, you're going to fail in this. You're, you're, you're not smart enough. You're dumb. You're, 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 God, you've been overlooked. You're abandoned by God. And the, the, all these things have been carved. And now we wonder how I have become 
What I've become is because there's something that is being reflected in the watering hole of my imagination. So guess what? It's time to clean out the well. It's time to clean out the well. We say, hey, I'm, I'm removing these things. God, this is, this, there's something powerful about when we stick the truth at the watering hole. There's something in a... There's something that I do with um, my little boy called, and both my kids, redirection. And, and instead of just telling my son, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. In fact, when I tell him to stop, that's all he's thinking about. So he does it worse. He does it worse. He, he, he's, he's getting a sword and like hitting his sister, hitting his sister. Stop hitting your sister. You're going to kill your sister. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're PK. You know, it, typical PK here. He's got, just going out. No, brave. Okay. Come over here. You are an incredible drawer. You can draw the most amazing things. You know how you love Ninja Turtles? Yeah. And then he goes to like the table and he can draw like incredible, like Leonardo, Mikey, Raphael, you know, all those guys. He can draw them. And so all of a sudden he stopped doing it. it was, but it was because he didn't react to who he didn't want to be. We, we put a new thought in his mind. Does that make sense? We put something else in the forefront. And so he envisioned something new. And there's something so powerful when we begin to do this. This is what the word is. So, so do not be anxious about anything. I told my husband, if he'll say, hey, I'm anxious about this. I'm, I'm worried about this. I, I, I've made a mistake. And I've said, hey, honey, just, gosh, stop being anxious. Stop being anxious. Stop being anxious. Wives are getting laugh. Where does that lead us? Nowhere. Nowhere. Lots of fights. He's, he's mad at me then, then, because I'm telling him just to stop being anxious. When you tell somebody stop being anxious, all they think about, I'm trying to stop. Don't eat the donut. Don't eat the donut. Don't eat the donut. Don't eat the cake. Don't eat the cake. What do we do? We eat the cake, because we're always focused on not eating the cake. Guess what? This is what we do. This is what we do. We have this. I don't want to fear. I don't want to. I don't want to fear. I don't want to feel like a failure. And we are not what we don't become. What we want to become. We become what we see at the watering hole of our imagination. So you have to switch and remove the things that are reflecting in this trough here. We got to go. Hey. I'm going to redirect with something that is so powerful in my life. It says, do not be anxious. It doesn't say, do not be anxious. So tell yourself 5,000 times today to stop being anxious and then you won't be anxious anymore. No, guess what? You will still be that way. Do not be anxious for anything. But it says a couple verses later, whatever is true, whatever is admirable, whatever is noble, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is great. I want you to think on those things. And guess what? The peace of God is released. This is what is noble. This is what is true. This is what is trustworthy. This is what is a good report. This is what is praiseworthy. And when I can redirect my mind out of the gutter, he's put all these sticks. We're going, trying to mess. Listen, this is why it's polluted. My vision has truth, but it has hate. It has truth, and it has fear, and it has truth, and it has I'm worthless. And then guess what? We're wondering why we can't know what God thinks of me. Hey, what if we irrigate? What if we actually get spiritually irrigate our minds, remove 
what's there, but not just remove it and tell herself not to do it. I'm now infusing, I'm, I'm siphoning out, and, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, clean out my well, and I want you to begin to put truth. I want you to hear this quote. I thought it was so powerful. It says, you are not what you think you are. You are not what others think you are, but you become what other people think you are. Now, this was revised from a guy named John Maxwell. Have y'all heard of John Maxwell? He said this, you are not what you think you are, and you're not what others think you are, but you become what the most important person in your life thinks you are. And I think that's true because if the most important person in your life is God, then you begin to think what he thinks of you and you become what he thinks of you because he's the most important person in your life. But what you think he thinks of you isn't what he thinks of you. Then you become what you think he thinks of you and not really what he thinks of you. That's why it's so important that what is reflecting, what people have said, what the things have done, what's been carved into our life, if they're not reflecting this word of God, we have to remove it because we don't understand what will we become is what we think he, th he, he thinks of us. And it's, and it's all contorted and twisted because our water is polluted with the enemy's voice and God's voice. And I'm telling you today, we have to just clean it out. We are not, we have a royal identity. We, we, we are royal heirs to the throne. Listen, when you get this in your spirit, you do start walking like royalty. You do start like speaking like royalty. You begin to believe you are royalty. When this gets inside of your DNA, you start to realize that you are not a pauper. You don't have to have a pauper mentality. You are not impoverished. You are not needy. You are not begging. You are not an orphan. You are a daughter and a son of the Most High God. That is who you are. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can erase it. Nothing can change it. But now I'm mad that I become this way, thinking that this is what he thinks of me. That's not what he thinks of me. And I have to put this new thought, this Bible right here, and not just Bible reading that, that is his word, but getting with God. There's something about getting around who he is that some of that stuff, the word of God divides between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the attitudes of the heart. So if the word of God begins to define to us what is faulty and what is truth, what is not right and what is true, what does he think about me? I'm gonna look through this. Oh, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind so that my emotions say, I'm gonna be fearful, but that's not what he thinks of me. He thinks I'm strong. He thinks I'm a mighty warrior. Gideon, I'm not speaking to the smallness of who you are. I'm not speaking to the smallness of who you are. I don't know how God could use little old me. No, you are big and you are great. So he called him out with courage. He said, Gideon, what did he say? Oh, just a fearful, come on, can you help get yourself up off the ground? Come on, get some, get, get some confidence. No, he said, you are, he didn't call him what he was already in. He said, you are a mighty warrior. In that moment, he began to bring justice to a nation. What is, what is being put, what has been scratched into this? this what, is, what is the enemy just set up here on this podium? And it's just reflected. And we've allowed it to keep being reflected. 
And now we live our lives. This is, this is why we're doing this series for you to go, no, no, no. This is ridiculous. Enemy, shut up. I don't, I'm tired of you speaking these things to me. This isn't who I am. And when you know who you are, you can let the enemy know with some, some conviction, with power. Hey, I am more than a conqueror. Hey, sorry, you're talking to the wrong person. I'm a child of God. I'm made in his image. And our water is a little bit polluted, but can we just start to say, hey, our enemy wow. is not our mirror. Our enemy can't be in the reflection. Our, our hurts can't be in the reflection. What they said can't be at the part right here, shining in the reflection, because guess what? I don't become what I want to become. I become what I see at the watering hole and the well of my imagination. I want you to catch this today. You're so powerful. You know that the disciples, they argued about who was the greatest. They just went around together arguing. I'm the greatest. I'm the best. I'm, no, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. We don't all do that because that's, first of all, ridiculous. Don't ever do it. <laughs> but are we really that confident to, to go? I mean, there's something about when you get with Jesus that you realize you're born to be amazing that you're born to be great, that you're born to be incredible. He had to give them lessons on how to humble themselves a little bit, like, you know, the feet washing stuff. And there's all these stories about how he tried to humble them because they were just so thinking they were all that and a bag of chips because they were around Jesus all the time. You know, John was the only gospel where it says John was the, the person that uh, uh, Jesus loved the most. That was the only gospel. And you know who wrote that gospel? John, let's all say it together, John. Also in, in, in the book of John, it says that Peter and John ran to the tomb and John got there first. You're like, who cares, John? It's like they had no problem with talking about how great they were. But I don't think that they did that before they were with Jesus. I don't think they were thinking. But you, you know that you have the power to, to lay hands on somebody and see them healed. Yeah. You have the power. Now that's not your power. Of course his power is in you. Y'all know what I'm saying. His power, if you're made in the image of God, let me say this. You are made in the image and likeness of God. And Ephesians says you are to be imitators of God. So when you act like God, you're actually being yourself. When you act like God, you are actually being yourself. You are royal. You are powerful. You have the ability to heal because the power of God lives inside of you. Y'all catching this? So that's why I can touch people that have sickness and disease and see them recover because I am made in the image of God. I'm a child of the king. I'm a king's kid. Isn't there a song about the king's kid? I'm a king's kid. No, there's not. King's kid. I feel like there is a lie that has crept into the mind of believers that's kept us from walking in the fullness of our identity tells us that any recognition of our strength or goodness is pride. The only way to deal with pride is to meet, demean yourself, which is humility. But it is not humility, it's false humility, and that keeps us from stepping into our destinies. By telling us that humility means convincing ourselves we are nobodies. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm nobody, but he's everything. No, no, you are somebody. You're awesome. You're great. You're not a nobody. By telling us that humility 
means convincing ourselves that we are nobodies. Many Christian leaders have sold God's people into slavery theologically. And it hasn't cured pride, but it has worked to destroy the confidence of God's people. True humility, true humility is not the absence of confidence, but strength restrained. Come on, I want you to write that down or write it on the your quarters of your mind. True humility is not the absence of confidence, but strength restrained. We can be people of humility, but still be confident in who we are. Unfortunately, confidence looks like arrogance in the eyes of the insecure. If you're insecure, it's, it's arrogance, but no, 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 no. No, somebody can be humble and be confident in who God's created them to be. Matthew 8, 28, 19 says, therefore go and make disciples of all, not just people. I want you to make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus instructs us in Matthew how to have worldwide revival. And that is to bring, bring a, a, a call. There's a call to the nations. And because we walked in, in false humility, in this pauper mentality, it's diminished our influence that we could have in the nations. And it's rendered us ineffective because we don't believe who God has called us to be. It's time we stand up and understand our positions. Amen? This is who we are. This is the call. How in the world can we accomplish the bigness of this while we are hiding behind, hiding in obscurity? Because we're insecure, we've been called to teach nations how to stop giants, how to prosper in famine, how to rebuild cities, how to restore fathers to lost children. The typical Christian culture embraces smallness to include those who feel insignificant. But the consequence is that we have shrunk men and women below the size of their devil. And so they, they are left to face him without the full benefit of their true identity and authority. We need to get free from ungodly low self-esteem, right? Amen. Call to the nations. Call to the nations. Our live stream affects 91 countries. 91 countries. Give God praise for that. Come on, that deserves... We are called to the nations. It's not because we're bored. Me and my husband don't have anything to do. Let's just start up a live stream just because it sounds like a good idea. No, we, us in this room, we're called to nations. That's why we're releasing music. That's why we're recording in the studio. That's why we're writing songs. It's impacted your life, but we want it to impact other people's lives. We know there's a, a national anointing on this music to heal people and heal broken hearts. You know, that's what, that's what our call is. The Bible says this in Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, and I'm ending with this, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. He foreknew me. Look at all the stuff he did for me. Gosh, he foreknew me. He, he, so, so, 
predestined and he foreknew. All this was done before I even knew it. I was even conceived. I was even thought about. My mother even existed. He did this all in the background, kind of in the invisible spiritual world, in his, in his spiritual chef's kitchen, if you per se. I mean, he, he kind of just whipped up everything that I would do and everything that I would be and, and, and what I would do with my life, custom fit for me. And then the Bible says he came out with it and he called me. He called my name. This is like, this is like when you're, you're at a restaurant, they don't just try to put it all together and cook it right in front of you. No, no, no. This was all done. The prep work was all done beforehand. It was thought about. It was predetermined. It was calculated. It was prepared. It was done in the kitchen and the chef brings it out to this person and, and it's done with, and now he gives it to you. God already says, Hey, everything that you've done in your life, even when you messed up, it didn't mess with the fact that I would call you. It didn't change anything. I already knew I was going to do it knowing everything that you would do in this in-between spot, knowing the things that you would maybe fail in, knowing the things that you would uh, uh, falter in, knowing those things. I have called you. You cannot run from it. Have you ever tried to run? It's like he calls you, and you could be in the darkest spot. You still go, oh, I'm worth more than this. You feel like that call. There's, there's, more, there's more to my life than me doing this or this. Some of you have... You have devotion to things that are lower than you. You have relationships that you're in right now that, that, that you shouldn't be in, involved in. But let me back up. This whole scripture right here talks about one thing, I believe, and it talks about significance. You never do all this prep work for something that is insignificant. Never. You never do all this work for something that doesn't matter, that's not worth anything. And that's why I'm telling you these things because many of you go, yeah, but you don't really know that because you wouldn't be in the crowd that you're in. You wouldn't be do doing some of those things. You would be embarrassed to talk to me about right now, but you don't know you're royal. You don't know the power that's inside of you. But can I tell you the good news? Even if you are in some of that stuff, guess what? It hasn't erased your calling. He says, I've still called you out to do great and mighty things. I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose in mind for you. But you have to know because you're living out some of these things that have been in the reflection of the imagination on your mind. And now you're living those out. But he goes, okay, just throw it out. Let's, let's redirect. Redirect your thinking. Who's the most important thing to you? It's what he thinks then. If it's God, it's what did you think about? Oh. What does he think about me? What does he think about me? What is he? I'm alive in Christ. I'm free from the law of sin and death. I am far from oppression. That's what you think. I am holy and without blame me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the peace of God. Greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. Really? I have received the power of the Holy Spirit. I have power over the enemy and nothing shall harm me. I lack nothing. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I'm called out of darkness and into his light. I'm a child. I'm his masterpiece. I'm a new creation. I am blessed. I'm an overcomer. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the light of the world. I'm his elect full of mercy. I'm forgiven. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am redeemed from the curse of sin and sickness and poverty. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am raised up with Christ Jesus and seated in heavenly places. I'm loved by God. I'm complete in him. For God has not given me fear, but love. 
and power and a come on I am part of a chosen generation a royal priesthood a people belonging to God who can show forth the praises of him who has brought me out of darkness he's called me he's called me he's called me Myrna, come here. You can stop right here. You came here. You didn't know I was going to call you. I didn't tell you I was. But I called your name and you came because I wanted you. And no one else came right here because I called who I wanted. And I called Myrna. I called your name and I foreknew that I was going to use you in this illustration right now. I predestined that this would happen behind the scenes before you ever knew it so they could see it and you could be here and you could experience it. I had it all planned that you would be in this service, in the third service, and I would call out your name and you would come. So as guess what? There's nothing that you can do to stop her from being called. I called her because I wanted her. He's called you. He's purposed something incredible for your life. He's designed you divinely for such a time as this. You become what you see in the well of your imagination. So important. You can't change your life but you can change the way you think and that will change your life. You can change the way I think. How do I know what he thinks of me? Get with God. Let him tell you, let him remind you. And I'm just here to hopefully help remind you. Thank you for listening. If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA.